Alright, it's been some time since this has happened, but we had some technical difficulties recording our Sunday School lesson this past Sunday, which was July 24, when we covered James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. So, uh, we're in the studio to do that now. James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. The Bible says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. There are a few things that we'll say about these verses in their context, and then we will study together the broader topic that these verses address. And let's pray and ask the Lord to help us, guide us in our study of the Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word and the truth of your word and the truth contained in this passage that's before us today. I pray that you give us good understanding and hearts to receive and apply the truth contained therein. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's remember the context of James chapter 1. The audience of this epistle would be the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad in verse number 1. The cross-reference there is Acts chapter 8, where the believers from Jerusalem are scattered due to the persecution that arose following the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter number 7. So there are believers from Jerusalem that are forced to do what Jesus said when they persecute you in one city, flee to another. And so their decision to believe on Jesus Christ and follow Jesus Christ, for many of them, it was a decision that ended up costing them materially and physically and financially. And honestly, this morning, those of us in the United States of America in 2022, we know very little about that. We have freedom of religion. We have freedom to assemble. We have freedom to worship. We have freedom to believe anything and everything we want to believe. And honestly, honestly, it costs us very little to believe on, to trust in, to follow, to live for, to strive to obey Jesus Christ. But that's not the case for many of our brethren in many parts of the world, even today, and certainly not the case for these believers in James chapter number one. Many of them were forced to leave their homes, to leave their families, to leave their jobs, their livelihoods, everything they had known. And so James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, in writing to these believers which are scattered due to persecution, he addresses two different groups in verses 9 through 11, the brother of low degree in verse 9, but the rich in verse number 10. Remember, in verse number 2, his first word of instruction was to count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. What was the purpose for that? What was the reason for that? How could they do such accounting, verses 3 and 4, because the trying of their faith would lead to patience, which would lead to perfection, spiritual maturity, Christ-likeness, that, that God was able to work in these very difficult circumstances and bring about something good, bring about something to His glory, and specifically 
for those addressed in verses 10 and 11, the rich in that he is made low. This isn't theoretical. There were many experiencing that condition. Why is it that the rich is told to rejoice in his being made low? Well, from verses 10 and 11, one good thing that could come of that is that they would remember how dependent on God they really are. Is that they would remember how fragile life really is. Read the verses again. The rich in that he is made low because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. We'll look at the verses momentarily, but in 1 Timothy 6.17, Paul, in another place, charged those that are rich in this world not to trust in uncertain riches. Again, addressing those of us in the United States of America, 2022, we fall into the verse 10 category. We fall into the rich category. We'll discuss that in just a moment. We need to be reminded that can quickly be reversed. That can all change in an instant. That we are not guaranteed the comforts and luxuries and financial prosperity that our nation has enjoyed for a couple hundred years we might just be hanging on by little more than a thread to all of that. But could we follow this word of instruction and rejoice if that were to be the case, knowing that we're dependent on God every day, whether rich or poor, high or low, wealthy or impoverished, some great instruction here for us in these verses. Isaiah chapter 40 is the cross-reference. It's the passage that's referred to here in James chapter 1, a passage you're familiar with, Isaiah chapter 40. And the Bible says in verse 3, prophesying of John the Baptist, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert. Highway for our God, verse 5, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together. So we have uh, the first coming in verse 3, but we move to the second coming in verses 4 and 5. In verse 6 again, the voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. Meaning what? what why is this analogy being drawn? Why is this metaphor being used? Why are we being compared to grass? Verse 7, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Life is short and death is sure. <laughs> Sin the curse and Christ the cure. Uh, the brevity of life. Again, the fragility of life. Our life like a vapor. Now, we live in central Florida. It gets hot in the summer. The sun shines brightly. And without a good dose of rain, what quickly happens to the grass is exactly what's stated in Isaiah 40 and James chapter 1. It withers, it fades, it dies. Let's think about that picture. The sun rising. The sun is no sooner risen, James chapter 1, with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass. Okay? Who's the sun? 
It's Jesus Christ. The sun rises, the grass withers. This is this instruction to those who, who have material things, to those who have enjoyed physical comfort and prosperity. You know, you need to rejoice because the sun rising and you withering is the condition right now, but it's exactly what John the Baptist referred to in John 3.30. He must increase, but in order for him to increase, I must decrease. And so again, nobody really enjoys or prays for or wants or hopes for the kinds of trials that are being addressed in the passage that's before us. But the Holy Spirit is pointing out the good that can come, the benefit that can come from even the most difficult circumstances of life. And none of us are immune to hardship and difficulty. There is no legitimate excuse of the circumstances in our lives. Good reason why we shouldn't follow Jesus Christ. All through history, believers through all time have been faithful to the Lord, lived according to his word, despite all kinds of circumstances and situations that would hinder most. So uh, those are just a few thoughts in the context of James chapter 1, but I want to address with the time that we have remaining this broader discussion, this broader topic of what the Bible says, and has a lot to say about the rich and the poor. And five simple points with lots of supporting scriptures. The first point is this, you are rich. If, if there are two categories in James 1, there are. And if we're trying to place ourselves in one of the categories, the category that, that almost everyone listening to this would have to choose is the rich category. And we don't think of ourselves that way. We, we all define rich in a relative sense. We all define rich as someone who has more than we do. We all define poor as someone who has less than we do. But the problem is we apply that very locally. We, we apply that in a very small circle. We apply that to our friends and acquaintances. If we were to broaden that circle, if we were to encompass, I don't know, the world, 8 billion people, if the definition, if we let the definition remain, rich are those who have more and poor are those who have less, we have more than almost everyone else in the world. There's, there's a very small minority that would then be left in the rich category with us. You see what I'm saying? But I want to give you a biblical perspective here. First Timothy chapter number 6. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Wow. The Bible says, here's what you need. The Bible says, here's what it takes to get by. The Bible says, here is, here is the threshold you need to cross in order to qualify for contentment. Food 
and raiment. Let me ask you a question. Did you eat breakfast this morning? Maybe you're not a breakfast person. Did you eat lunch this afternoon? Uh, maybe you're fasting. Did you have a meal before you went to bed? Let me ask you this question. Whenever you ate today, did you have choices? Now, if you didn't eat, it probably wasn't because you didn't have anything to eat. It was probably because, for whatever reason, you chose not to eat. And if you chose to eat, you didn't, you didn't just have to decide, I'm going to eat. You had to decide what you were going to eat, because in your refrigerator, there is food, and in your pantry, there is food. And if you didn't want any of that, you got in your car and drove down the road and went to the restaurant and, and selected items from a menu. You had lots of choices when it comes to food. Um, are you wearing raiment? Now, is, is that the only suit of clothes that you own? Did you have to uh, launder them last night so that you could have something to wear today? Or did you get up, get ready, and go to your closet or go to the dresser, and did you have to decide which shirt you were going to wear? Which uh, pair of pants, guys? Which skirt, ladies, you were going to wear? What socks? What shoes? You had to make some choices because you had a lot of different options. I'm just illustrating that that we've all crossed this threshold of food and raiment. And here's what I'm saying. We're rich. And so chapter 6 of 1 Timothy and verse 17 has some instructions that apply to us. Charge them that are rich in this world. That's us. We've established that. They be not high-minded. Don't think it makes you special. Don't think it makes you better than other people. Your worth is not attached to what you have or what you own. Be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Don't think it's always going to be this way. But in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So go ahead and enjoy it. Nothing wrong with that. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that. Verse 18, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Here's, here's the instruction we're given. Don't focus on the material things. Don't focus on the physical things. Don't lay up treasure on earth. Lay up treasure in heaven. Has God blessed you with wealth? Has God blessed you with stuff? Has God blessed you with physical material things? Wonderful. Great. Enjoy it and then steward it. It's not yours, it's his. He gave it to you for you to use. Use it for his glory. Be willing to communicate. That means give financially. Verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, they may lay hold on eternal life. Number one, you are rich. Number two, wealth does not impress God. Now, it impresses people. It absolutely does but it doesn't impress God. And there are many reasons why. First of all, because whatever riches we have are nothing in comparison to the riches that he has. He's able to meet all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, to him, gold is so abundant, he uses it for asphalt. In heaven, the streets are paved with gold. Acts 17 he doesn't need anything. God is rich. And he's not impressed with our riches. The Bible says in Job chapter 34 and verse 
number 19, how much less to him that accepteth not the person of princes, nor regardeth the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. Judgment Day, God's not going to analyze your financial statements. Judgment Day, God's not going to give preferential treatment to anyone. Judgment Day, nobody's going to be able to buy off the judge. He doesn't regard the rich more than the poor. People might. People do. But God doesn't. In a moment shall they die. Who? The rich and the poor. Death is a great equalizer. Both get buried six feet under. Worms are indiscriminatory as to the flesh that they consume. Soul, go to heaven or hell, has nothing to do with the amount of stuff that a person has. In a moment shall they die, and the people shall be troubled at midnight, pass away. The mighty shall be taken away without hand, for his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. Proverbs 22, verse 2. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. People, according to Jude one sixteen, have men's persons in admiration because of advantage, but Romans 2.11, there is no respect of persons with God. In chapter 2 of James, Lord's going to instruct us to approach this thing the way that he does, and have not respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, to not have respect of persons. And God certainly is not impressed with riches. Point number three, according to the Bible, wealth is not evil. We need a balanced perspective. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. It's not being rich that will cause you to fall into temptation and snare. It's the desire, the will to be rich that drowns men in destruction and perdition. Some scripture to go along with this point, Deuteronomy 8, 18. Israel was instructed, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. God gives power to get wealth. God has blessed you with health. Here's what he wants you to do with it. He wants you to work. And here's why he wants you to work. So you can have things. Why does he want you to have things? So you can give to others. Ephesians 4.28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have. Again, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a sin to acquire. It's not a sin to obtain. It's not a sin to lay up. It's not a sin to profit. But what's the motivation? That he may have to give to him that needeth. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. There be no gatherings when I come. Paul said, I don't want you to take an offering. When I get there, I want you to take it up beforehand, and I want you to give as the Lord has prospered you. So if God is prospering these believers, then being prosperous can't be a sin because God's behind it. In fact, every good and perfect gift is from above. It is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Acts 20, verse 35, I have showed you all things, Paul said to the believers of Ephesus, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. Okay, The weak need to be supported. How are they going to be supported? By people who have things. How are they going to get things? By laboring. Work so you can have, so you can give. 
And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Increase your capacity for giving, increase your capacity for blessing. That comes from it. So wealth in itself is not evil. Proverbs 28, 22 says, He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. Point number four, there are disadvantages to wealth. There are disadvantages to wealth. This is addressed in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, some of Moses' final words to the children of Israel. And he says to them in Deuteronomy 32, 15, But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. He's not being insulting. He's pointing out that they have been, they will be the recipients of God's abundant blessing to such an extent that they become a little thick. They become a little fat. It's just evidence that they have abundance. But what happens? Then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Verse 18, of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. Here's a disadvantage to wealth. You get stuff, you think you don't need God. You tend to forget the one who blessed you and you think that you did it yourself. It's all through the Bible, Proverbs 10, 15. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. Now, there are disadvantages to poverty as well. I'm not... I'm not advocating for that, but understand that they both come with pros and cons. And the con to the position that most of us find ourselves in is we tend to look at our wealth for safety instead of God. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. He that trusteth in his riches, Proverbs eleven twenty eight, shall fall. Proverbs eleven four, riches profit not. In the day of wrath. Mark 10, 24. Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? You see, James 2, God chose the poor of this world rich in faith. But the rich of this world, well, they've got a whole problem with that trusting God thing because they trust themselves, they trust their riches. The problem there is those riches are so uncertain. Proverbs 23, 5, If thou set thine eyes upon that which is not, riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Proverbs eleven four, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. Here's another disadvantage to wealth. Matthew 13, 22, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Riches will deceive you. Riches will deceive you about what really matters in life. Riches will deceive you about how you should spend your time and your labor and your effort. The deceitfulness of riches. Here's why the wisest man who ever lived wrote in Proverbs 30, 8 and 9, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? There's the disadvantage to wealth. Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in 
vain. There's disadvantage to poverty. Solomon said, you know, the best thing would be to write in the middle. You have enough, but not so much you got to worry about it. You have enough, but not so much that you forget God. Back to James 1. The rich rejoice in that you're made low. It helps you remember you're like a flower of the grass. It helps the sun rise and be glorified in your life. So point number one, we're rich. Point number two, wealth doesn't impress God. Point number three, wealth isn't evil. Point number four, there are disadvantages to wealth. And point number five, finally, we must learn. We must learn to prioritize spiritual things. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Proverbs 28, verse number 6, better is the poor that walk in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. What's important is not whether you're poor or rich, it's whether you're upright or perverse. Jeremiah chapter 9, in verse number 23, Jeremiah 9, Verse number 23, the Bible says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, say the Lord. Say it again, having stuff doesn't make you special. Knowing God, that's where it's at. That's what ought to get you excited. That's what you ought to glory in. Matthew chapter 6, again, we already quoted from this passage, but Matthew 6, and this time verse number 19. Matthew 6, and in verse 19, the Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasured upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Verse 21 where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Verse 24, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's okay to have things. It's not okay for your life to be about things. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. Beware of covetousness, Luke 12 warns. So we must learn to prioritize spiritual things. Put things in their proper place. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy, last passage, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Backing up to verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, here's, here's the alternative. Don't do that. Do this. Don't love money, verse 9. Don't let a, a desire to be rich consume you, verse 10. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So the Bible helps us think properly. The Bible gives us the proper perspective. 
The Bible addresses all men for all time and tells us just what we need to know. The five points again. We're rich. Wealth doesn't impress God. Wealth isn't evil. It comes with disadvantages, but spiritual things are more important. While we look not at the things which are temporal, at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, we look at the things which are not seen, the things which are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Lord, help us take these truths to heart, apply them in our lives.